I'm Laura Lee Binstock, host of a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for season two. We have a fantastic season planned, and today I want to bring back one of my guests from season one, Kathy McGiven. You may remember her from episode 14 on human trafficking, but for today's episode, I wanted to get into some of the other distractions hurting the fight against human trafficking. You know, advocates fighting against human trafficking have long fought for the topic to hit mainstream media for years, which it has, and mostly a lot of it had to do with Jeffrey Epstein, but also because of organizations pushing conspiracy theories. Now with the spread of false information, nonprofits working to bring awareness of the seriousness of the facts are concerned that these distractions will destroy the progress, progress that has been made. You know, Kathy um, is a sex traffic survivor and founder of 1211, a nonprofit organization that helps survivors integrate back into society through treatment and long-term restorative care. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm always excited to, to be on this podcast. It's, it's so um, empowering. So thank you for the invitation. Oh, well, thank you. You know, I wanted to invite you on again because of the unique knowledge that you have as a survivor and an advocate. I believe, you know, these theories started with Pizzagate for political reasons. And if you don't know what Pizzagate is, it's, you know, the theory that Hillary Clinton was actually trafficking, Hillary Clinton, among other wealthy and powerful people, were trafficking children in the basement of a pizza place. It's actually about six miles from my house. Um, and, you know, this was proven false when a guy actually went in and, try, and, and tried to save the children with a loaded weapon, but realized that there wasn't even a basement there. And even after that, people, they're still, they're still gaining followers, these people who are spreading these proven false information. Why is that? Yeah, because I think right now, um, you know, sex trafficking, human trafficking is is this big thing, right? And it's very sensationalized. Uh, so the more that we can sensationalize something, the more attention that it gets and the more we can get buy-in and the more people are really kind of like attracted to the the sexiness of, of human trafficking. Um, mm -hmm. So it's like, I think that blowing up these stories like that um, is just another way to 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 kind of just gain um, unwarranted attention, right? To this cause, forgetting that this cause is about human lives and not just another big thing to talk about. So anytime you have like some big thing, right? Like the Me Too movement, everyone was on board the Me Too movement and still is, right? But they were forgetting that this is more than just a hashtag. These are actually people that are being affected. So what, what's happened is, is just basically sensationalizing the stories, right? So that we can get right. this hashtag and we can get everybody distracted from the true um, problem and, and, and what sex trafficking and human trafficking really is. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, you know, as a survivor, how do these conspiracy theories affect you emotionally? You know, it's always a, it's hard just being a survivor and getting your voice heard or making sure that you um, you can be understood. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really difficult to even identify as a survivor of sex trafficking. No one wants to do that. This is just what we, we, we have lived. And so we kind of have to. Um, so you get past that and then you start sharing your story and you're, you're sharing your truth. Let me say that. 
And uh, there's a lot of stigma about uh, around that, right? Because it's all of our stories are different. All of our stories, um, you know, we came from different walks of life. Yes, a lot of um, some overcomers and survivors, we share that similar, you know, background that yes, we were trafficked and exploited. However, we all come from different from different backgrounds. So personally, me just getting my story uh, believed and understood because it's a very unique way. Um, I wasn't being trafficked in cabinets right from Wayfair. I wasn't I wasn't like locked up in basements or anything like that. I actually fell for someone and I thought that I trusted this individual and I was in a relationship with this individual. Well, that is not appealing to mainstream, right? That's like, oh, okay, but we need, can we get like handcuffs in there? Can we get some some ropes? Can we get some, can we like really sensationalize your story? Uh, so we have to fight as survivors. We have to fight through that, like getting people to understand, like, no, I was really uh, a victim of trafficking. I really survived something really horrible. I know it doesn't come with the glitz and glam, but this really affected me. Right. I am truly a survivor. So we have to push through that. Right. And then um, personally, me, myself being a woman of color, then I have another barrier that I have to push through just to get people to understand my story. So with all of those strides and every step that I have to take and pushing through and making sure that my story is uh, heard and it, it's used in a way that can educate and empower other survivors and, uh, and people as a community in its whole, um, when you hear stories like this or conspiracy theories and you hear just how uh, how far-fetched they are and, and, how much, and how much they'll go to the lengths of just gaining that appeal, it, it's it, it's hurtful because here I am. I fought my way, and I've you know I've you know dug into the deepest parts of my soul um, and the most vulnerable parts of my soul to to try to help uh, the community and other overcomers and survivors. And the more these theories kind of grow, the less you feel uh, important, or the less you feel that your voice is going to be heard. So we gotta like. Stay focused. For me personally, I gotta stay focused and fight like hell just to like, no, that is not true. Like it just creates more barriers. So it is, it's it's harmful to um to survivors who and overcomers who who can't identify with those kind of stories because they're not they're not real. Wow. Yeah, I I I can't even imagine how that is just kind of being thrown in there. And they it's interesting when you just compared it to how. I mean, your story was horrific, you know, and, and, and so they want to make it more appealing by throwing all of this other, you know, other effects in there to make, I, I just, I can see why that would be hurtful. Are you concerned that, you know, other survivors joining these organizations will find comfort in their cause? I don't think that they can identify with causes like that uh, for the majority and the majority that I know, um, they, they, they can't identify with that. But what that does, it's not just uh, finding comfort, it's almost like uh, disqualifying your own testimony, your own truth. Because it's like, oh, well, I guess I really wasn't trafficked because that's what trafficking looks like. Like the, you know, the person being stored away and, and all that kind of stuff. And since that wasn't really my story, then yeah, I wasn't that bad, right? So you start to disqualify and devalue your actual truth Mm -hmm. um, because of these things. So it's not necessarily finding comfort, but it's kind of, uh, justifying maybe if you had doubt of sharing, or if you had doubt that you were even a victim or a survivor, uh, now it's a way of justifying like, oh yeah, see my story's not that bad, you know? Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I can actually see because there are a lot of people who I have interviewed who have said, oh, my story isn't as bad as this person's. And, and, you know, we all have to just look at it. This was this is your story. This was horrific to you. And, you know, our trauma shouldn't be compared to another's, you know, and I can see how there that would be how a survivor who was trafficked would feel. I, I can absolutely see that. Um, as a founder of, of a nonprofit organization, you know, working to combat sex trafficking and commercial sexual exploitation, have you felt or experienced any backlash from these conspiracy theories? Not myself, uh, personally, not any backlash, because I, I tend to stay away from those kinds of conversations, uh, especially when you can uh, know from just hearing the stories and seeing the headlines it's like okay come on guys you know and it doesn't it doesn't it's not relatable to my personal story it's not relatable to any of the overcomers or survivors that I've worked with so it's like okay I just kind of you know tend to be dismissive at first um until it's like now I have family members and friends that are like believing this and and posting stuff and 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 so they so until I'm in a position to have to answer questions um I don't really engage so I haven't personally had any backlash, uh, but I do know that other survivor leaders uh, that have spoken out about it have received backlash because it's like, um, one in particular, Rebecca Bender, she's an amazing survivor leader, amazing overcomer um, in this space. And she, she, I guess, responded to some of these conspiracy theories. And there was, uh, I think she said that there was a comment on her social media that was like, well, you're just one perspective. And you know, basically saying that her opinion didn't matter because this, because whoever these conspiracy, you know, theories are, or their, their followers, they're saying that we know better than you. And that is so like belittling to the person that have walked, not, not only the person that have walked those shoes, but the person to someone that's been in this fight before the headlines even got involved before when there was no hype about trafficking, when there was no like, you know, big funding for, for these agencies, which there still isn't. But when there was no like, you know, hype around it, there were people fighting and there were people on the front lines and fighting for victims and survivors every single day. So to be told like, oh, you don't really know what you're talking about because it's just one experience. That is that's completely like, you know, that's a slap in the face almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't had any of those encounters personally. It's just kind of like sitting back and observing and, you know, like having to correct, you know, my family and friends or, or people that I know that I do know that are resharing or um, sharing these stories or believing these stories. Uh, but thankfully, no, I have not had any, any, any backlash, uh, me myself, but I'm ready for it. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Well, yeah. Well, I thought that was, that's interesting because I've read that Cindy McCain, she's also fighting to end human trafficking and she's getting frustrated with these conspiracy theories saying that they're despicable, but then, you know, the conspiracy theorists have actually accused her and the late Senator John McCain of being traffickers, you know, after they tried combating the misinformation so that 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 is difficult. So how do how do we how does anyone, especially these advocates who are working so hard to fight human trafficking, how do they set the record straight? I mean, you just told me that this woman you know was told that 
Yeah, that's just your perspective. We just have to, we just have to keep um, educating our community in the capacity that we've been given. Honestly, um, as far as you know, really fighting these these conspiracy theories, it is exhausting. And there's so much work to be done. You know, think about it. Like we're we're also on the front lines and providing direct care services to individuals who have no idea what trafficking even is, right? Like they think they they think that trafficking, people that are being victimized currently think that trafficking is are these things, right? Are these foreign things uh, and these unrealistic things? They think that too. So they don't even identify as being trafficked. So we have to fight that battle. We have to help these people that are actually in it to try to help, you know, kind of like reprogram them to say, hey, no, this is actually a crime that you're, that this is, this should not be happening to you, right? And yes, you're absolutely being trafficked because trafficking looks like this, not like the, not not like the media or not like these conspiracy theories is making it um, sound, right? So we have to focus on that uh, alone. Then you add all this stuff um, and this misinformation and, and stuff that's going around by these conspiracies. It's just like, we have to really pick our battles. Are we going to engage so much in this um, and, and argue with people and combat people? The only thing that we can keep doing is putting out good information uh, verifiable evidence-based information, right, from the mouths of actual survivors. <laughs> um, that's all that we can do is keep putting out the information, keep on educating our communities and, and doing what we can do in our capacity in the lane that we were given. That's it. Like, if we were all to combat or, or, or come up against all of these uh, conspiracies, we would forget, there would be no direct care services. There would be, we would forget about our mission. We would forget about why we're even in this. And so just honestly, I think that's how we do it. That's how we come up against this. Keep doing what we're doing and doing it well. We can put out like, you know, we, there are several survivor leaders, like you mentioned, we can put out articles and we can, we can do press releases and we can say, hey, that is absolutely wrong. And this is what the truth is. After that, there's nothing else to say. Like there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else that we can do, right? So I think if we just keep on um, doing what we're doing, that's our fight. Wow. It just seems like you guys just have to work harder then, you know, I mean, you guys were working hard enough to, to get people to listen. And now it's, it, you know, do you believe these theories will die down or go away? I think they're going to get worse, actually. Uh, honest, that's my honest opinion, only because they've been around for so long. And they're, they've been, you know, conspiracy theories around everything, right? Not just uh, trafficking. So whenever, as, as the movement grows, I think people will try to latch themselves onto it. And so these conspiracy theories will keep attaching themselves onto it, right? These conspiracy theorists will always find a way to kind of like make it more than it is. Um, I just think we have to prepare for that and we have to be ready for it, honestly, because we're always gonna have this. Like we're always gonna have people that want to um, sensationalize a, a cause and, and a movement um, and I really believe that the the trafficking, the anti-trafficking community, the anti-trafficking movement um, is going to grow. And I think that we're going stronger in numbers. I think that we're we're really um, we're really um, overcoming some obstacles and making strides, you know, as a community. 
Um, and so as we do that, it's only expected that we're gonna be faced with some opposition. So I think that we just need to be creative in our ways and our tactics on how we're going to, again, just keep focused, stay focused and combat and kind of like dismiss some of those things and just protect our, our um, not only our survivor community, but protect our community that we're trying to educate, the community of allies that, that are, are passionate and really have a heart for this movement, um, protect our children, protect our families. We really just got to try to be innovative and, and figure out ways to protect them from all of that outside stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've had friends who have shared the, their thoughts about the human trafficking and how they're like, I can't just stop and I just can't not do anything about it. Um, but they're their mission is to expose what they believe is the truth. And so in saying to them, I was just like, well, there are actually, if you're worried about people who are being trafficked, there's actual, there's tangible ways to do it mm -hmm. that, that, that will be more helpful than just exposing whether you think it's true or not. I mean, you're just talking instead of doing something what are some of the things that people can do to get involved with the fight against sex trafficking absolutely the first thing that i would uh, encourage anyone who has a heart for this is to get educated right so really find those anti-trafficking um, organizations and agencies within your own community and get to know your anti-trafficking community um, that's law enforcement, that's nonprofit organizations, that anyone that is um, anyone that is fruitful in this in this movement that you can find really good, solid information from is where you would start. So once you start there and now you start educating yourself, the more that you educate yourself, the more that you'll find that there are actually practical ways, a bunch of practical ways that you can get involved. Um, so from a high level like legislation, so you can write your, um, your legislators, right? And you can figure out what bills we're, uh, your agencies and your anti-trafficking community, community is advocating for, and you can jump on those bills and you can sign petitions and you can meet with lawmakers and all that kind of stuff. You can also have um, on a lower level, not a, they're all high level to me, but like on a more boots on the ground level, you can partner with survivors is what I call it. And that's just getting to know your uh, survivor community. Um, again, through your anti-trafficking agencies, figure out what they need. The direct care service providers are so, you know, do huge, huge work, a lot of work I'm talking about on a grand scale work, right? But their organizations, their agencies are staffed with like six people, maybe five mm. if they're lucky, right? And so we have these small, tiny organizations doing grand work. And so, yeah, we need partners on the ground with us um, doing the work. And you can just contact them and figure out, okay, what is it that you need? Is it fundraising? Can I, um, can I you know, host an, uh, an awareness night? Can I um, can I come and teach? Can I come tutor? Can I'm a, I'm a financial coach. Can I come teach financial literacy to, to individuals in your program or even your staff? Am I a wellness coach? Can I give some, can I donate some uh, hours to your staff and to your survivor community? There are so many ways that people can get involved. Um, it's anything, the way that I put it is 
think about however old you are, right? If you're, I'm not going to say my age, but if you're like 30, right? Think about what you've had to do those 30 years to accomplish what you have accomplished today. What did you have to learn? And who is your community? Your parents, probably your your family, your um, whether it be your biological family, your, your adopted family, whatever the case may be, friends, colleagues, classmates, all of these people helped you kind of mold you into who you were today. Well, what are some of the things that you learned from everyone? You learned possibly how to cook. You learned, maybe you learned how to sew. Maybe you learned how to, um, again, you're good with finances. Maybe you're, whatever you're good at, What what is it? What are your natural skills? You take that, you take what it, what it took you to get to where you are in your life today. And you say, okay, these are the skills that I can offer, right? Maybe I can bring that to the fight. Um, with you and your podcast, like you have a gift of public speaking and bringing people together and educating communities. That is how you are, that is your fight. That is how you are engaging uh, this anti-trafficking community and giving back. There are so many ways to get involved. Um, but I guarantee you that if you get with some good folks in your community, anti-trafficking community and figure out, just ask them, hey, I'm here. This is what I'm good at. How can I use it? What can I do? You'll find a place. Um, you'll find a place in it. There's there's so many. We, we have so many needs. Fundraising and is, is number one because we're like struggling here, right? We're trying to like solve the world's problems on like a, a Kool-Aid budget. So <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's that's one of them for sure. And then um, again, I would start with education. You have to know about it before you actually get into it because just being compelled to do something is not enough. This this fight is grit and grind. And, and so, um, but yeah, we welcome, we welcome anyone that wants to, that wants to come along and, and join arms with us. Amazing. And I know you did, we, I know in our, in last season, we talked about, we talked about um, kind of fact and fiction, you know, kind of the truth. And, and you know, you brought that up that you can't just be compelled to do it. You need to be educated. Just briefly, um, before I let you go, it, could you talk about some of the things um, people can... Um, some of the some of the misconceptions just kind of straighten that out just I know there's a lot of them obviously especially with these conspiracy theories but you know this is like we talked about this can happen in your neighborhood in a very in a small you know community yeah what what can people look out for yeah so the biggest misconception is that is the whole white van um, thing, right? Like there's just going to be these two bad guys and they're going to hop out and they're going to kidnap you from the grocery store and they're going to take you away. Now, um, I'm not going to say that that could never happen or doesn't happen or hasn't happened. Yeah, absolutely. There are people that have been abducted and kidnapped. Um, so I never, I don't want to, you know, water that down. However, when it comes to human trafficking, when it comes to sex trafficking specifically, a lot of times it's not a stranger that is your exploiter or your trafficker. It is someone that you know. It is someone that you have uh, trust, that you trust, that you've uh, built some kind of relationship with, and they are your traffickers. They are. It's familial, right? It can be in your family. So they, they turn out to be your traffickers, not this stranger, right? That's going to come and take you away, but actually someone that you know. So that's like the biggest misconception is that it can happen 
that it only happens that way, that it only happens through kidnapping or abduction or something like that. Um, and then second, it, it, it's one of the other ones is that it only happens to females um, and, and young kids, right? So we know that boys and men can also be trafficked. Uh, so we don't want to turn our backs on, on that and look for those signs. We don't want to turn our backs on, on boys and men as well. Um, and then that another one is just that it happens to children. We know that child trafficking is huge. It's something that in this space we're combating and we're trying to fight against too. But this, you know, I was trafficked uh, in my early 20s. Um, other individuals that I worked with were over the age of 18, right? And so it's just really, um, I guess, I, I guess one of the, I guess just to sum that up, I guess the misconception would be is that trafficking looks one way and, and it doesn't. Trafficking doesn't discriminate, right? It attacks vulnerabilities more so than people. And so uh, we have to be aware that it can happen to anyone and it can happen in any way and it can look like anything. Um, there's really not, there's really no evidence and hard facts of like a type of trafficker or a type of victim. Right? There's no, because there's so many um, unreported stories. There's so many, so many things and so many people that are involved in this thing that, that never come forward. So I, I think I would encourage people just to not think that it looks a certain way or whatever mainstream is putting out, that's nine times out of 10, that's not how someone is trafficked. That's not what the real story is. If you really talk to survivors and overcomers of trafficking, you'll understand the different avenues and the different ways that people um, that people are trafficked. So there are some signs and red flags that people can look for, especially if it's a friend. Again, nine times out of 10, just like, um, you know, Espin, Jeffrey Espin, his victims were still involved in community. His victims were still in families in school and, and going to the store and blending in with regular people. Um, so if we wanted to use that image just because that's a big story what people understand from that perspective they're blended in victims and survivors we're blended in with people we're, we're blended in in everyday life a lot of the times and so um by understanding and learning some of these red flags you'll be able to identify so one of them is like uh when you have if you know someone that you know is in a recent relationship and this person is being really uh, possessive or, or um, controlling over them. Um, they don't, you know, they they're speaking on behalf of this person, so they can't. Meaning the the third party is speaking on behalf of their victim, or the person that that you know, um, or this person that you know may have all of a sudden they're distant, right? They don't want to talk. They don't want to talk about their relationships. Um, branding is another way, you know, um, not walking around with no ID or, or walking around with, especially inconsistent stories. Inconsistent stories is another way, is another, just another red flag as well. Um, just because a lot of times survivor, victims and survivors are just kind of like day by day in survivor mode, like survival mode, literally. And so their stories change. Um, mm -hmm. um, obviously bruising and marks and stuff like that are obvious signs, but their, you know, withdrawal is like, a, is, is, a, is a sign that you can't really physically see, but you can, you can kind of pick up on. Um, 
And then just that whole, you know, like if they have unexplained money coming in and, and you know that this person doesn't have a job or, or they won't tell you about their job, right? It's like, yeah, I work and I work for customer service, right? Just something really vague, but it's like, okay, how are you paying for all this with that kind of income? There are, there are several signs. And I don't know if I shared it with you last time, but I am more than willing to share with you some of the signs and just a simple Google search. Um, I would say look for government agencies that have some of this information because that's going to be your most reliable source, probably, mm. especially if you're not familiar. Polaris has some really great information. There's some agencies okay. um, that have some really great information on how to look for the signs in your own community. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, just a huge thank you, right? Just a huge thank you to you for bringing this to light. I really encourage people to, man, you really need to be involved um, as far as like getting the information straight, getting the facts straight before you, you know, start sharing some of these stories. Um, if there's a story that pops up on your timeline or in the news or whatever the case may be that you're not sure about, I would encourage people just to connect with reliable source, with a reliable source. So if you're not seeing it um, like on a government agency or, or it's not being promoted by your anti-trafficking agencies that, you, that you've learned to trust, then prob, you know, don't, don't put it out there. Don't reshare that information because yeah. um, it's false information. And the more that we share, because I'm going to impact my community, right? I'm not gonna see people that you see. I'm not gonna be able to impact people that you will impact. But think about it, if we're each sharing this stuff, then we're impacting, we're, we're sharing it amongst our communities, which can be multiple, multiple people that are now misinformed, which harms the movement, which harms survivors and victims. So yeah, yeah. I would just say fact-checked for sure before you share any information. Yeah, I'd like to think that by listening to this podcast, it would kind of light a fire so people can actually see the importance of the mission to end human trafficking and not spread and reshare that information that they just see, um, you know, but you know, that is wishful thinking. I'd like to think that I, I can reach out to those people, but the, you know, all I can do is just put the information out there and find people like you who can educate them. And I'm, I'm so grateful to have you on again. Thank obviously. you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a joy. I really appreciate it. And thank you for all the work that you're doing too, just informing the community on all these crazy topics that no one would dare to talk about. You're talking about them. So <laughs> thank well, you for that. Well, thank you. That was Kathy McGibbon, trauma survivor, thriver, and founder of 1211. For more information on Kathy, including her organization, please visit atstpodcast.com. That's letter A, tstpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to my monthly magazine, Authentic Insider, for more in-depth inspirational stories and everything mental health. And also follow me on YouTube and IGTV where you can find this podcast in video form. Thanks so much for being a part of the conversation. I'm Lori Lee Binstock. Take care.